pleasant to be here tonight. I want to invite you to open your Bible to the book of John, chapter 10. Book of John, chapter 10. Uh, we will be reading verses 24 and under. Book of Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 24 and under. Then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, O Lord, dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, if you believe not, and you believe not, the words that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for bringing us tonight to this place. We thank you that we have your word to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to know you. Be with us now as we go through various scripture in looking at our assurance, our belonging, our position in Christ. Oh, what marvelous and what great promises and gift we have in you. Be with us now as we continue in Jesus' name. Amen. To be in Christ, assurance, belonging, position. Assurance is also known as the witness of the Spirit. There are so many things we don't know in this life. There are so many things that we will never know and could never be sure in this time. You know, at least this weekend, forecasters got it right. We had a lot of snow. Even today, a lot of the roads are filled with snow and it's difficult to, to, um, to drive. But besides that, there are so many things we will never know. For example, I know that pastor don't know if ever his, his beloved Detroit Lions would ever get to the Super Bowl. We will never know, right? <laughs> but this assurance that we have in Christ is something that we can definitely know for sure. Because the Holy Spirit tells the Christian disciple and assures the Christian disciple that he is justified. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he says, For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced, Paul says, writing to his, to his uh, disciple, 
um, his son in this in um, in Christ in Timothy and co-labor in the ministry. I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced, he said, that he is able to guard what is of what I have entrusted to him until that day. No one else can guard what we believe except God Himself. Because even if our own heart condemns us, we have an assurance from the Spirit who knows all things. First John chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. We read in this precious letter. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written. Don't you praise God for his word? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Many times in these verses we will see God said he has written. His assurance to us is in, is in black and white. He has written these things. The word of God is there to strengthen our faith. We must spend time getting to know him through his word. To know him more, increase our faith. The precious chapter of Romans 8, over there in, at Mosaic, we are going over Romans chapter 8. We started from chapter 7, trying to give a context. But we're going through Romans chapter 8. And if you never read that chapter, you never know that book. It's a precious book. Where Paul takes the time to go over several doctrines and principles and truths. To come now to the chapter 8. Some have called it the jewel of the New Testament. You may know if there, any, if there ever be a chapter in the Bible that you want to rehearse and know or your position in Jesus Christ, you got to read Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, for sure you have heard these before, where at the end of the chapter, after giving all the account of the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Christ in behalf of the believer, Paul says the, the following, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other cre created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in whom? In Christ Jesus Oh Lord, the, what more assurance the believer need? He is covered it all. The assurance that we belong to him, the assurance that we are his. David, the king, write in Psalm 23. You know, we all go through ups and downs in life. We all face 
trials in life, we all go to trouble and perilous time. We all uh, are stretched in life and sometimes we feel that we're stretched beyond our ability to support, to, 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 to be able to gather that. But listen to what David says in Psalm 23 about the assurance that he has in Christ. Even though I walk, verse 4, through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. You know, going back to the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in this life, as I mentioned at the beginning, there are very little things that, there are very few things that we can be sure of. In fact, the Bible warned us in the book of James that we shouldn't be taking, you know, uh, stock for tomorrow because we do not know what our life it is, what our life is. It's just a vapor that appears for just a little while and then it disappears. In fact, it says that what we should say, if the Lord will, we will do and go, etc. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Paul in his second letter of, to this church in Corinth, when he's defending not only the gospel that he preached, but his position as an apostle, he writes to them and he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our other man is decaying, folks, would you agree with me that this body of ours is decaying with each and every day? I forgot my glasses before I went to baptize in the car. I say, honey, please go for my glasses. If not, I don't know what I'm going to do. I came up came out in the last verse and I saw Brother Brucolari over there who worked together over there at, at Mosaic and he wore kind of like the same, you know, over-the-counter cheap reading glasses. <laughs> and I made my way over and I said, I need to borrow your glasses. And he just, you know, he pulled, he pulled them out. I, I almost cut kind of enjoy, look at pastor, looking around, looking around, the verse about to end, where is he, where is he? Well, I was there. This body is decaying, and it's decaying in many forms. It's falling apart. Soon, we, we, are, we are just um, day in and day out witnessing the consequences of the fall in our own bodies. But though our other man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction, love that part. Momentary light affliction. In the book of Romans, right there in chapter 8, he called it, he said that there is no way to compare the affliction of this world, whatever that may be, with the glory that is going to be manifested for, by, the, by God through to, to the children of God. 
This light affliction is a light affliction. Yet think about it. Think about it. It might be illness in your body. It might be poverty. It might be stress. It might be anxiety. It might be many things. But what this light affliction produces is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far, far beyond comparison. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. Temporal. Sadly today, many people spend most of their time focusing on things that are temporal. Investing their life on things that are temporal. Occupying their mind and soul and wealth and, and wealth and strength in things that are temporal. Folks, the things that are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. God help us to have our mind, our hearts, our bodies, our soul focus on things that are eternal. That eternal gift from God that gives us the assurance of eternal salvation that we belong to him. You know, belonging, some may say, is the number one need for children. But studies have shown that even for adults, there's a great need to belong. To belong is to be accepted. To belong is to feel secure. Without belonging, we are alone. As humans, our greatest desire is to know and be known, to love and be loved, and to feel confident that those who know and love us will be there for us in, through joy and trouble. To belong. We all need to belong. Belong also signifies that we are a property of someone. Property, a private property. In Psalms 103, the writer writes, Know now that the Lord, he is good. He, it is he who made us, and we, are, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Aren't you happy that we have the greatest shepherd at all? The greatest shepherd of all. That all, not only proved by dying on the cross that he cared for you and I, that he loved us supremely, but each and every day he shepherded you and I. He do not leave us alone to wonder, but he cared for each one, for every one of our needs. Why? Because we are his. We are his that's why Peter said he take care of you. Romans chapter 14, verse 8. In Romans chapter 14, verse 8, we read, For as we live, we live to the Lord. And as we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Today, you hear people trying to um, roll back the clock. And mankind have come up with many, many ideas 
to roll back the clock. I have met from time to time individuals that <laughs> because of different things that have, they have done to themselves, they hardly can smile or close their mouth. Trying to roll back the clock. Trying to pull the years back. Now you get what I'm saying, right? But for the believer, for the believer, living is just an opportunity to serve and worship and exalt their Lord and Savior. For the believer, we live for a purpose. If we live, we live for Christ. And if we die, which we know it will happen someday, we do not, he that is in Christ, don't look as, as death, as something horrible, as something that I want to escape. He that is in Christ, don't look as death, as the doom and gloom, and the sadness. The overwhelming sadness that someone without Christ will, will do. For us, death is just a passing through. It's just going to be with the one we're eager looking forward to see face to face. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1. There the prophet speaking about Israel but also about the spiritual Israel. He read, we read and he says, but now thus say the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Love the end of this verse. You are mine. You are mine. Could you imagine God, that holy God, that all-knowing God, that all-sufficient God, looking at you, looking at me, sinners, who only merit is that through his grace we, we, we were able to trust in his son for salvation. Looking down and looking you in the eye and say, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. Praise God we serve and we know an individual God who loves each one of his children and know each one of his children personally. I call you by name and then he says, don't worry, don't fear about anything. You are mine. If that is not belonging, I don't know what is. He's saying you belong to me. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Paul writes to this church that we're going through a problem of legalistic religiosity. They wanted to turn, the Jews wanted to turn the Gentiles into Jews first before becoming Christians. And of course, that was a problem of, of legalism and Paul did with it. And in chapter 4, he, he, he is speaking to the church, he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, 
born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as son. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir to God. Abba, Father, in my prayers, when I refer to God, you see the Jewish people have all this concept that only those who were selected were able to go into the holy place. Where only those, only he who were selected were able to go in into the holy of holies. But what Paul is telling him, listen, now because of Jesus Christ, because he has given you your other spirit, now you can cry out to him and call him Daddy. Daddy. In our quiet time, in our private place of prayer and communion with God. Please, <laughs> you know, sometimes, and we fall into this sometimes, sometimes when, when, when we pray, we want to be all formal and, and majestic, and we go, oh, Henry Lee, grandiose, and, we do, and that's okay. But you know what is good in prayer? You know what you can also do when we're praying to our God or Father? I could sit down and say, Daddy, it's me again. Daddy, I need you. Daddy, please help me in this situation. In Spanish, we'll say, Papi, por favor. Papi, please. No longer a slave. Slave to traditions. Slave to religiosity. Slave to self. Slave to a moral code, a moral conduct, to be able to justify oneself. No, no longer slave, but now a son and an heir through God. Our position in Christ is forever secure by the one-time act of faith in Christ as our Savior. It's forever secure. I remember years ago, Actually, I believe it got to be this coming May, I'll be 10 years a citizen of the United States. 10 years ago, actually 11 years ago, God forced me to spend an entire year without leaving the country. You say, what? I got to see that. Because most of you think, where is Ray? Where is Pastor Ray? Always traveling. But God forced me to stay one entire year. Before that, my wife and I, we have the um, resident status. So we, have to go, we could go out and do missions, but we have to be back in the country every five months so we don't lose our status. And of course, our children were born, so it was important for us to go back and forth. But of course, the, 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 the logistics of that, the financial stress and all that, so 11 years ago, I had to stay, and I was saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Of course, in our flesh, in my flesh, in my mind, I'm doing God's work, and I wanted to go, go, go. And God said, no, you're going to stop. You're going to be here. You're going to start this ministry. You're going to be, and you're going to wait until further notice, until further instruction. 
What I didn't know, what I didn't know, is that that year that I spent in the United, in the United States, 2011, gave me enough months and time that I was able to apply for citizenship. I said, wow. And I remember the day um, we were in North Carolina, that after going through all um, the questionnaires and the fingerprintings and all these things, perhaps there are people here that have been through that. You go to the interview and they ask you all the uh, 100 um, his history questions and how Congress work and all that stuff, and you try to answer each and every one of them. After all of that pro pro process, they, they give you a date to go to get sworn as a citizen. I remember that day, all special that was. My wife and children there, and a whole group of people from all different nations standing there, all happy, suit up, all dressed up, taking pictures and pictures and smiling. And he was, uh, we didn't know each other, but everybody high fiving and shaking hands and hugging. And then you raise your hand and you have to repeat the, the, um, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance and, and a different oath. And they give you your certificate and tears. I mean, uh, I, I'm not a crier, but it just, I just, that day I had to cry. I'm finally a citizen of the United States. And I was like, wow. Little did I knew that that very year, being a citizen of this country was opening the world for missions, for me, for God, for his work. And right after that, God took me to Panama. I said, wow. But being a citizen of the States is something that many, many people, and you see it on the news, people travel. People do all kinds of things to get here, to be able to live here. Because wherever you're here by some, this is still a good country, a great country to live in and to raise a family. It is. But you know what? As good as this is, he cannot ever compete with being a citizen of heaven. He can never compete. We are more a citizen, we should look at ourselves more of a citizen of heaven than a citizen of the United States. You and I, in Christ, our allegiance ought to be first to God and his kingdom. To this country. That's why in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes to Timothy, but our citizen is in heaven as we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you eagerly awaiting that savior? I hope you do. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you heard this verse before perhaps? We're talking about our position in Christ now, that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Folks, the Bible tells us 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. That part of our position in Christ that we get to be his ambassadors. We get to represent God. We get to represent his kingdom. What a marvelous thing that he can use people like us, that our Emily Father can put in us the responsibility and the privilege to be part of the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.20 we read, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Through Christ. In Christ. We no longer under that old master. That old master that was wicked, cruel, evil. In Christ, we're no longer slaves. Slaves to a sin that hurts us, destroy and condemn us. That make us walk in that wide way that leads to destruction. But now being found in Christ, no longer a slave but a son, part of his family, with all the rights and privilege that comes with it. You remember what Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says? There is therefore now no what? Condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. Has anybody ever asked you or said this to you? How can I, how can a good God, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? How can a loving God allow us injustice and violence? They, they say, how is it possible that a God who is merciful will punish someone with hell? You know, the truth of the matter is this. God sent no one to hell. We were on our way there already. In fact, the Bible said that we were already condemned. We were there, we were part of the family of the devil. We were part of him. What God does and praise his holy name, what God does is that he saves us. He set a lifeboat. He takes us and puts us apart. He plucks us out of the family of, of Satan and put him and put us into his family. He adopts us. He receives us. And all is done by being in Christ. In Christ. Pity those who trust in men. When they promise something, it turns out to be the opposite. Sorry for those who live, who live binging on CNN, Fox News, or MSNBC, or one of these, living on any controversy, debate, fights, division, gossip, and that go after this world, treasures, and fame. Folks, there is so much pain, so much doubt, so much anxiety, so much confusion, all because there is just so much sin. And it doesn't matter how men tries to get control of power over all these issues. 
and even try to handle those in their life and others to have some peace, men will fail over and over again. Men cannot handle that which only the Spirit of God can do. In Christ, in Christ we have a love that can never be fattened. In Christ we have a life that can never die. A righteousness that can never be tarnished. A peace that can never be understood. A rest that can never be disturbed. A joy that can never be diminished. A hope that can never be disappointed. A glory that can never be clouded. A light that can never be darkened. A purity that can never be defiled. A beauty that can never be marred. A wisdom that can never be baffled. Resources that can never be exhausted. All of that and then some in Christ. The day that I die could be tomorrow or in many years to come. There are two hymns that I always ask that I would ask that should be sung. One of them is a favorite of my wife and I. Great is thy faithfulness. You know that one? It was sung at her wedding, and it's been a favorite ever since, or even before. But the next one is the one I want to refer now. Heaven came down. Heaven came down. In the world of gospel music, the writer John W. Peterson wrote many hymns, over a thousand gospel songs and he composed over 30 cantatas. In the summer of 1961, he led the singing at the Montrose Bible Conference in Montrose, Pennsylvania, about three hours from here. When he invited people in the audience to give personal testimonies, an elderly gentleman stood to his feet. John described it like this. As he spoke, his face glowed, especially when told of that night when he came to Jesus Christ. The way he expressed it was, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Those words grabbed John, so he jotted jot them down. What a great theme for a song, he says. Later that week, John W. Peterson wrote the song, both words and music. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wander in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Shadow this spelling with joy I am telling. He made all my darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross, the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love, all oh, what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made when as a sinner I came, took up the offer of grace in the proffer. He saved me. Oh, praise his dear name. Now, 
I have hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future, a future in heaven for sure, there in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believe, riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand we received. I pray tonight that that belonging, that assurance, that position in Christ today is also for you. And guess what? If you haven't trusted him, what a perfect time it is to open, to open your heart to Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all you have done. We could stay here through eternity praising your name and counting and telling of your wonderful work on our behalf. We praise you, Lord. Let us never forget we are yours. You are ours. We praise you and we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.